Morning, Parkway Church. How you guys doing today? Good. I'm so glad you're here with us as we continue our journey through Scripture together. We're in a series entitled Home for Christmas. And whether you're gathered at Parkway Port Lavaca, Parkway Lone Tree, Parkway Victoria, or Parkway Online, my big hope and prayer behind this series is that you would know the power of Christ living in you, that you would know and that you would live with such confidence that God Himself came and dwelled among us, Jesus, to make his home in us so that he would change us and eventually take us to be home with the Father in heaven. Friends, when Jesus says, I love you, he's saying, put out that welcome mat for me in your life. When Jesus says, follow me, he's asking you to obey him and depend upon him, and you can because he lives in you. I'm excited to tell you the story of Christmas today. Before I jump into today's talk, though, let me just let you know what's going to happen over the next week or so here at Parkway. First of all, on Wednesday night at each location, we're going to have these amazing events where we sing some Christmas songs and hear a Christmas message geared for kids. And then we've got an amazing evening of events and activities following the singing and the storytelling. And we do a giveaway like where families come and make a project and they take it. And so you're just going to make a family heirloom that's going to be like in your home for generations to come at this Joy to the World Christmas event. And last year we made little nativities. Like we found all the fence boards that Harvey blew over and we said, hey, let's let God restore that, redeem that. And so we built nativities. And now you can drive throughout Victoria and the crossroads, drive in Port Lavaca and see little nativities out in front of people's houses. Just a reminder of what Christmas is about. And so we're going to send you home with another takeaway that, that I'm betting will be on your mantle next Christmas. See, Mike, what are we going to make? Come Wednesday and you will see. And then next Sunday, December 23rd, we're having services as normally scheduled. So wherever you are and whatever you do to normally worship on a Sunday morning, join us on the 23rd. And then on the 24th, we've got a completely new Christmas Eve service. And it's going to be an exciting time for you to connect with family and worship Jesus. And we look forward to seeing you at the Grace Chapel and seeing you at Parkway Victoria at 530 on Christmas Eve. So it's going to be an amazing week of ministry. As we prepare for that, can we take a moment as a church family and pray together and just ask God to use our church uniquely in these next 10 days? Father, we thank you for the chance to do life together, to do church together. And Lord, we pray that you would use us in the coming week to invite folks and to encourage people and to help our friends see and know Jesus because um, you are living in us. And so, God, we pray for good weather, and we pray for all the details to come together for all that must happen. And we pray just trusting you and knowing that you desire for all the world to know that Jesus is your Son, the Savior of the world. We praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, can you believe that we are just days away from Christmas? If you came to my house, you would see 
presents underneath the tree, just like at your house. Except these presents are a little different. These presents don't have name tags on them. If you look at the presents under our tree, you'll see nicely wrapped boxes with bows, but no name tags. No to, no from, no name tags. It's our family tradition. In fact, what my wife does each and every year, she creates a code or a system by which she knows who gets which present under the tree, but by which we don't know who gets which present under the tree. She does this for a couple of reasons, because we have some shakers in the house, and so that's problematic. She also does it because she wants to create a moment for us on Christmas morning when we open presents. And by the way, that's when godly people open Christmas presents. Some of you might do it on Christmas Eve. You need to do business with God. Christmas morning is the way to do it. And so on Christmas morning, Christy reveals the mystery. She tells us, here's the code. Now, if you stack up the boxes that are all wrapped like this, or you stack up the boxes that have this on them, then you will find your presence. The mystery is revealed. If you want to know what this year's code is, after the service, you can come ask me, and I'll tell you. Can't tell you now because it's recorded and my son's at Lone Tree. Actually, I can't tell you even after the service because Christy won't tell me either. <laughs> she is so smart and so beautiful. She knows that if she tells me what the code is, all oh, the kids are going to know it in no time, right? Oh, I can't, I can't keep a secret like that. You know, the Christmas story is God revealing his mystery to us on Christmas Day. As we talk about Christmas and we worship Jesus this Christmas and we engage in the Christmas story personally, one of the things that I hope you'll see is that God has revealed his mystery to you and to me. His mysterious love, he's revealed it. I mean, what is it about you or me that God would love us? It's a mystery. God has revealed his mysterious plan. From the very beginning, God desired a relationship with us. We sinned and blew it. Yet God continued to pursue us with covenants. God continued to pursue us through the prophet's teaching and telling us that the Messiah would come. And God's mysterious plan was revealed to us at Christmas. See, the mystery of God was shown to us when the baby was born in Bethlehem. But there's this mystery that unfolds in our life as we believe in him, that he does a work in us. It's a promise of Christmas that we can all tap into today. So if you brought your Bible, we're gonna start in Colossians chapter one. In Colossians chapter one, Paul tells the Christmas story in a way that you and I need to hear today. Colossians chapter 1, verse 26. If you didn't bring your Bible, no worries. We've got the Parkway app. You can follow the outline. We've also got uh, the, out, the outline we gave you in the paper handout. So we just encourage you. We start in Colossians chapter 1, verse 26. The verses will also be up on the screens. Paul writes this. The mystery that's been kept hidden for ages and generations but now is disclosed to the Lord's people. What Paul is talking about is the mystery of how God would save the world. It was hidden for years and for generations, but has now been seen. Last week, we learned from Galatians 4 that in God's perfect timing, 
he sent his son, born of a woman under the law, that he might redeem those and make us heirs and make us his children. And so we see here again, Paul writing to the church and saying, once this was hidden, but it's not anymore. People once wondered, how is God gonna send his salvation to the earth? It's now known. He sent salvation to the earth through his son, Jesus Christ. Once they wondered, where will the Messiah be born? Now we know the Messiah was born in Bethlehem, just like the prophets predicted. We once wondered what he would look like, but the eyewitnesses can tell us what he did in his actions and his teachings, how he lived life. The mystery has been revealed. And, and that's good news, friends. If you've ever asked the big questions of life, how can I be saved? How can I have a bigger purpose in my life than just living for me? If you've ever asked a deep question of how can I know that I'm truly right with God? The mystery's been revealed and it points to Jesus. Keep reading Colossians 1 verse 27. To them, God's people, God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of his mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. As you look at the mystery of God unfolding and him sending Jesus to us, when you said yes to him by faith, God did something else that's mysterious. God sent his son to live in you. The spirit of Christ now lives in you if you're a believer in Jesus. This is the mystery of God. How is God gonna move and work around the world through his church? His spirit lives in you. How's God gonna change you from the inside out? His spirit lives in you. How is God gonna do what only God can do? His spirit lives in you. It's the glorious riches of his mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. And I pause and I emphasize that Christ in you is the hope of glory because the Christmas season is a season when we can all tap into the hope that God provides. How many of us gathered together as the church today would say, I've got a situation in my life that I'm hoping in God for. Can we be real and raise some hands and say, hey, I'm hoping for God to work in this area. I'm hoping for God to do something in me in this area. I'm hoping for God. I'm hoping in God. See, Paul tells the church that this is the hope that you have. Christ is in you. When you believed in Jesus, he moved into your life. When you believed in Jesus, your mission became, hey, I'm gonna put the welcome mat out for Jesus in my life. He's welcome in every area of my life. No limits. Jesus isn't on a tour of my life. I've transferred the title of my life over to him. He's in charge. And when we know that Christ is in us, we can have hope. And it's the hope of glory. You know what that hope of glory means? It means that our hope comes not from here and now, but our hope comes from our eternal home in glory. Our hope comes not from what we have or what we can do or what we experience today, but our lasting eternal hope 
is anchored not here on earth, but our hope is anchored in heaven. This is the mystery of Christ in you. And when you learn to live with this kind of hope, your life is pretty mysterious. When you learn how to live with hope that's not bound by you and your circumstance, people can't figure you out. When you learn to live by hope that's anchored by Jesus Christ in heaven, you can really confuse people. Because everything else in your life says you should be hopeless, but you are hopeful. Everything else in your life says that you should be losing hope, but somehow you're finding hope, you're growing in hope. Why is this? It's because Christ is in you, the hope of glory. See, Jesus wants every believer to know that if I'm in you, you always have hope. Listen to how Paul writes it to the church in Rome. There's this thread that runs throughout Scripture in the New Testament about our sufferings and struggles and the hope we have. Romans 8, verse 18. I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. I consider my present sufferings nothing compared to what will be revealed to us. Now, there's two perspectives here. I consider what I'm going through now nothing compared to what I will have in heaven, the wholeness I will have in heaven. That's one perspective. There's also the reality that because Christ lives in you, he's always at work, and so these present sufferings are nothing compared to what will be revealed in you as God continues to make you more and more like Jesus. I consider these present sufferings. How many of y'all faced something difficult in the last month? And it was scary a month ago. And you look back and you say, I trusted in God. I depended upon the Lord. And he brought me through. You might still be wrestling with the issue. You might be struggling with the problem. But you look and you say, it's not near as bad as I thought it would be a month ago. It's not near as bad as I thought it would be six months ago. I actually have hope because of what God is doing. See, that's one of the things that godly hope does for us. It gives us a perspective that says these moment, present sufferings are nothing compared to what my God can do and what my God will do. Paul writes to the church in Corinth and says this, For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. Why is it that we can have hope because Christ is in us? Why is it that we can look at our present trouble and say, that's nothing compared to what God's going to do? It's because God uses our light and momentary troubles to achieve his big work in our life. I love how Paul says their problems are light and momentary. When you're in the middle of a situation where you are hoping in God, does it feel light? <laughs> no, it feels heavy. Anybody ever feel like they're losing hope and so they're just getting crushed by the circumstance around them? They feel like they're giving up hope and so the, it, the burden, the pressure, it's not light. But Paul says when you know that you have hope in Christ, it's light. It's also momentary. 
when you're in the middle of a situation where you're hoping in God, is that like the day that goes fastest or the day that goes slowest? Likely could be the day that goes the slowest. And yet Paul says here, it's light and momentary. It's but a snapshot. It's a picture. It's not a final story. Compared to, compared to the eternal glory that outweighs them all. He says, you might be struggling in this moment, but there is an eternity that gives you hope. He, might, he says, you might be struggling now with some light troubles, but the glory of God in your life at work outweighs them all. See, we can have hope because Christ lives in us and because he's at work in every situation. How about this for a perspective change? The next time you are crying out to God, why don't you cry out to him and say, God, show me how this is light because you can carry it. Help me cast my burdens upon you because you care for me. And God, show me the perspective that this is momentary, that this isn't how it's always gonna be. I think about raising preschoolers. My goodness, if, if none of us would have kids if, if, if it was always like raising preschoolers, right? That's a light and momentary trouble. I think about raising teenagers, just like raising preschoolers, only more expensive. It's a light and momentary trouble. You think about the healthy relationships that you're in. Every healthy marriage has had a light and momentary problem. Every marriage that's honoring God today has had a time when they have been tested to see how they would honor God. Everything worth it in life, we pick up that perspective and say, this is light and momentary. God, show me how. We can all have hope because Christ lives in us. Listen to what Peter writes to the church who is being persecuted. And the God of all grace, who called you to his eternal glory in Christ, after you suffered a little while, will himself restore you and make you strong and firm and steadfast. One of the reasons that we turn to God for hope is because he's the one that can provide hope. And here, the promise is simple. Your light and momentary troubles, they're only for a season. After you've suffered for a little while, after you have struggled for a little while, God himself will restore you. See, this is the personal promise of God. He lives in you, and so he's gonna work in you. This is the personal promise of God to you and to me and to every believer in Jesus Christ. I don't have to lose hope because he lives in me. And there's coming a day when these light and momentary troubles will seem like nothing compared to what he's doing. And there's coming a day when I can count on this. He will make you strong. He will make me firm. He will make me steadfast. Friends, when you put your hope in Christ, God puts his hope in you. When you, by faith, say, Jesus, I believe in you, he comes and lives in you. And your hope is anchored, held by Jesus Christ. As you think about your life right now, how are you doing with hope in Christ? Jesus gives us a word picture of what our lives should look like. 
can look like, might look like, if we learn how to remain in him like he lives in us. You can flip to John chapter 15. I'm going to read verses 4 through 8. John 15, verse 4. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. Jesus says, verse 5, I am the vine and you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Verse 6, if you do not remain in me, you're like a branch that's thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up and thrown into the fire and burned. If you remain in me, verse 7, and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciple. Jesus in John chapter 15 gives us a word picture of our relationship with him. He is the vine and we're the branches. And he wants us to produce great fruit in our lives. And one of the fruits that we produce in our lives is hope. You could also look and say we produce the fruit of love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and faithfulness and goodness. You can look and see the fruits of the Spirit that come from our life when we do one thing. And Jesus tells us that one thing in John 15, verse 4. And that one thing is we're going to remain in him like he remains in us. And we've already seen from Scripture that Christ remains in us always. So our mission as followers of Jesus, our mission as a disciple of Christ is to remain in him like he remains in us. You can know this believer in Jesus. Jesus will never leave us, and you can fill in this blank, but we may drift from him. Whenever I am struggling with hope or peace or joy, the question isn't, where did God go? The question is, how have I drifted? The question isn't, what has God left me? No, the question is, where am I drifting? Because Jesus says, if you remain in me like I remain in you. That's a conditional statement, but it's a promise from him. I will remain in you. Will you remain in me? And Jesus says, remain in me. Because, and you can fill in this next blank. I am not a part of your life. I am your life. Did you catch it there? He said, I am the vine and you're the branches. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Did you see that? That Jesus simply isn't part of our life. He is our lives. And that apart from him, we can do absolutely nothing. Where is it in your world that you've allowed yourself to think you can do life apart from Jesus and still be fruitful? Where is it in your world that you've allowed yourself to fall for the lie that says Jesus just is one part of who you are? Because he says, I am the vine and you are the branches. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Apart from me, you are fruitless. In those situations when you're begging to God for hope, 
and you're saying, God, what am I doing wrong that I must depend on you completely? God, what am I doing wrong that I must turn to you so consistently? God, what am I doing wrong that I must depend upon you? Here's the answer. When you turn to God, when you depend upon God, when you trust God over and over and over again, you are doing nothing wrong because you are tapping in to your life in Jesus Christ and he lives in you. As you hear that, it gives us a great opportunity to honor God with all of our life. Fill in this blank. Jesus deserves and desires 100% of our lives. He deserves and desires, desires and deserves 100% of our lives. In John 15, Jesus told, told us that if, 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 a fruit wasn't, if a branch wasn't bearing fruit, he would cut it off and throw it into a fire. Like we would trim a tree and burn the waste. Jesus says, I will come in and I will prune your life so that you can bear much fruit, so that you can give my Father glory. Friends, the fruit of our life should forever be improving because the Spirit of God lives in us. The fruit of our life shouldn't grow stale and rot on the shelf because the Spirit of God lives in us. My dad was a master gardener. And he could go in our backyard. He had, he had, I think he had like eight raised beds in the backyard. And he could look at a tomato and see whether or not that plant was being rightly watered or not. He could look at the, the leaf of a potato vine and see whether an insect had been eaten. He knew that the top needed to be strong for the potato to grow beneath. He knew it all because this was his garden. Do you see the same is true for you and God? You are the vine. Pardon me. You are the branches. Jesus is the vine. And God is the master gardener that comes in and clips and changes our lives so that we can bear much fruit. Last thing. Fill in this blank. We can all live fruitful lives. The fruitful lives that Jesus talks about in John chapter 15. Fill in that blank. We can all live the fruitful and experience the fruitful life through a relationship with Jesus. Jesus says that if I remain in you and you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask me anything and you'll get it. Ask me what you want and I'll provide it for you according to my will. Jesus says you can have a fruitful relationship with me that brings God glory. You know what the end game is for your life, believer in Jesus? The reason we put our hope in him is because then we can bear much fruit and bring God much glory. There is no situation that you're going through today through which God can't be glorified. If you will put your hope and your trust and your obedience in him, there is no situation that you are going through where God cannot be glorified. And the end game of Christ living in us is that we would see him at work and the world would see the fruit of our lives and know that we are his disciples. How's the fruit of your life right now, friend? 
So God, I've got a choice to make. And I think we've all got this choice to make. When it comes to putting our hope in Christ, when it comes to remaining in him, are you choosing your way or God's way? Maybe even in your bulletin, you need to write this out and you say, God, I am choosing. And, and write it out, my way or your way. When it comes to your job, your way or God's way? When it comes to your relationships, your way or God's way? When it comes to parenting, your way or God's way? When it comes to your attitude, your way or God's way? When it comes to your purity and things you're passionate about in life, your way or God's way? God, I am choosing your way. Thursday morning, we woke up and the power was out at our house. Me and Christy, two teenage girls that need to go to school and a son home from college for the first day, all needing to leave the house at the same time, all needing to get out. And so I devised a plan to take away the stress of the morning. Girls needed breakfast and lunch, so I decided I'm going to give them all the money I have in my wallet so that they can stop at Speedy Stop and get some breakfast and pick up something for lunch as well. And so it was a good day for them. I had a lot of money in my wallet. I had $17. <laughs> and so I gave it to them. And on the way out of the house, they pulled one on me. They went to the pantry, because you couldn't open the fridge, because, you know, you got to keep the cold in. But they went to the pantry and found the, the Pop-Tarts and took them on the road, right? And so they eat Pop-Tarts for breakfast, and they got $17 for lunch. Oh, my, they eat better than I did that day. So that evening, I get home, and I ask them, I said, so what would y'all get for lunch? Expecting that they might have picked something up at, at like, Speedy Stop Subway or some tacos or something. I said, oh, we ordered lunch at school, which I know is $5 or under. So I'm like, five times two is 10. I got $7 waiting for me right here. And so, so I said, what any good dad would say, where's my change? And they said, oh, you wanted the change? <laughs> so we, we had $7. And so on the way home, we stopped at Sonic and we got drinks and tater tots. And it was a little more than you gave us. So we tipped the car hop. <laughs> so how, how kind of you, aren't you good little people? They didn't realize I wanted to change. Believer in Jesus Christ, God has invested in you, his spirit. Believer in Jesus Christ, God has given you a guarantee of his love by placing his spirit in you when you believed. He wants the change that the spirit brings. Jesus deserves and desires 100% of our life. He wants the change. So I'm choosing my way or I'm choosing God's way. Friends, let's choose wisely. Let's choose God's way because he's already chosen us. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for the chance to open your word and to 
talk about you today and your love for us. And God, I pray now that you would help us all to put our hope in you. Help us all to see what you are doing in our lives and to trust you, to put your word in us. God, I pray for the church that you would help those of us that are believers to choose your way instead of our own and choose your hope instead of our own anxiety or worry. God, I pray that you would help us with that. Church family, in this moment, I also want to let you know that in just a moment, we're going to take communion together at each campus. It's going to be a reminder that Jesus died in our place. He shed his blood for us so that we might have a relationship with God. So as you, the church, prays, maybe this is a great time for you to prepare to take communion, to thank God for his sacrifice for you, Maybe confess some sin and say, God, would you clean me up one more time as I confess this sin to you? Maybe this is a perfect time for you to prepare for communion. And as you prepare, I want to talk to a group of people that maybe aren't believers yet. If that's you, no matter the campus that you're attending, Is today your day to believe and to find life in Christ? The Bible says that Jesus is both Savior and Lord, and the only response he desires from us to find life is to believe in him for eternal life. From there, his spirit comes and lives in us. From there, God does his work in us. But it starts with us saying, yes, I believe. If today's your day, you can mark it with a prayer. You can pray. Jesus, I believe. I believe that I'm a sinner who needs a Savior and that you are the Savior of the world. Thank you for coming for me, for dying in my place and being raised again from the dead. Today, I believe. Thank you for giving me life. As we continue to pray, if today was your day to believe, let somebody know. Tell that friend that brought you, use a response card in front of you. Or better yet, stop by the information center at your location and pick up a new believer's kit. There's a Bible and some other resources to help you get growing in your walk with Christ. Father, as we give you our lives, we also prepare to give you our offering. Help us to give freely and generously of both. We pray in Jesus' name, amen.